So the last five weeks, um, we've been looking at a, a subject of thought about God being able. And, uh, you know, God is so able. God is so able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all we can ask, think or imagine. And I'm so thankful that we serve a living God, one who is majestic in all his ways, one who is splendor. His splendor, it, it goes beyond our understanding. And I trust over these last few weeks, you've been, you've been hearing something that's been dripping into your heart, dropping into your life, where you see beyond the mountain or the issues of your own personal life, and your eyes have been taken towards God. You know, there's this great scripture in the Bible that says, I look to the hills from whence comes my help, for my help comes from the Lord. You know, so often we can look to our resources or our ability or what God may have done in the past, but actually we, he, he wants us to see what he can do in our here and now, what he can do in the situations that we go through in life. I've written this thought down. Never let impossible situations get the better of you. You know, you may be sat this, this morning in this room and it may have been a battle for you to get here, but... Never let impossible situations get the better of you. But let's allow them to motivate us to pray more, trust him more, and expect more. Because when we begin to see God in the midst of our situations, he changes the mountain into the molehill that it was originally. He changes the crooked way and makes our path straight. When we bring God into the equation, we bring the one who is able to change all things around for the good of those who love him. See, God's promises are like the stars. The darker the night, they brighter the shine. What are the promises of God? What promises are shining in your life right now? What promises are you drawing on? What promises in the word of God are the anchor to your soul? that enables you in the storms of your life to stay rock solid and say, I'm not going to be moved by the circumstances. I'm not going to be blown and shifted by the sands of time, but I'm going to stay rock solid on the promises of God, which are yes and amen. What promises are the anchor to your soul? And I just really want to encourage you to hold on to God's word. And this is a scripture. I just love this. This is so powerful. Psalm 33, verse 6 to 9. And it says, the unfathomable, you know, you may, you may have a telescope and you look into the stars at night and you, you see the awe and the wonder of God. But it says, the unfathomable cosmos came into being at the word of the eternal's imagination. A solitary voice in endless darkness. What a beautiful way of putting it. The breath of his mouth whispered. And the sea of stars into existence. Oh, sorry. The breath of his mouth whispered the sea of stars into existence. He gathers every drop of every ocean in a jar, securing the ocean depths as his watery treasury. Let all the people stand in awe of the eternal. Let every man, woman, and child live in wonder of him. He spoke, and all things came into being. A single command from his lips, and all creation obeyed and stood its ground. 
Isn't that just amazing? Isn't that just an incredible scripture? Do you know what? One word from God can change your life forever. That moment when he said, come follow me. Do you remember that moment? That moment when you gave your life to Jesus, that moment when you submitted to him, he said, come follow me. It changed everything. It changed our journey. You may have been doing your thing. You may have been living your way. All of a sudden you turn and you acknowledge that he was the answer. He was the cry of your heart when you didn't know what you were crying after. He became your all in all. Let's never lose that passion for God. Let's never lose our passion for his house. And here we see a single command from his lips and all creation obeyed. Do you know what? He says, put me in remembrance of my word. When we return his word to him, because that's what he said for us to do. Return, because his word will not return void, but it shall go forth and it will accomplish that for which it was sent. What, what word are you holding on to as the anchor in the journey of your life? question I'd like to ask you this morning is this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything? You know, in the journey of your life right now, what is going on? What, what are you dealing with? What, what struggles are you encountering? You know, it's, I know some of your journey. I know some of the pain, the hurts, the struggles that are going on in the journeys of your life. Is there anything too hard? For the Lord. I know that you've heard me say this over the last few weeks, but you know what? Sometimes we need to hear and keep on hearing because as we do, faith is being established in our heart where all of a sudden we will turn around and say, No, nothing is too hard for my God to do. At first, it becomes a word of confession. This is what I want to believe. This is what I'm trying to believe. But as we walk it out, as we continue to confess his word over our life, it changes from what we want it to be to actually what it is. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all I can ask or imagine, and, and, and he will do it for us. Just keep digging in, holding firm. When pressure's there, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. You know, we've looked at, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the promises. Nothing, there's no promise in God's word that's too hard. And we've looked at there's no prayer that's too hard. We prayed some heart-wrenching, heartfelt prayers this last Wednesday at the prayer meeting. Some of them were big prayers we were praying for. But what's the point of praying prayers that only we can answer? We need to be praying prayers that only he can answer. They're the prayers where he comes through. The, you know, we were praying some of those in the hierarchy of the Taliban could be saved. Why can't we pray that? Why can't we believe for such a thing to happen? Why can't we pray that there's a transformation like that? What's the point of praying small prayers when we can pray big prayers? Because God specializes in doing the incredible. And this morning I want us to look at this. There is no problem too big or too hard or too impossible for the Lord to overcome. There is no problem. Is there a problem in your life right now? Maybe there's a problem with health. Maybe there's a problem with mental health. Maybe there's a problem in a marriage. Maybe there's a problem with your children or your grandkids. Maybe there's a problem in the work situation. Maybe there's a problem with your finance. 
we have life is life has problems. We can't. I'm not. I'm not going to stand here and deny. Oh, I don't. I've never had a problem in my life. I'll be lying. You may as well send me out the door, kick me over the cliff. I'm real. I have problems. There are problems sometimes. There's sometimes problems within the family. The bigger the family, the bigger the problems. And, and, and you know, we all, you know, Josh and Sophie are on holiday next week, so am I, but they want to go certain days to certain places. I want to go certain days on, on other days. And we have problems. We try and work those out now. We haven't got a problem, really. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. <laughs> going to have beautiful weather. But other problems are big problems. My, my son or my daughter's not spoken to me for years. Not, not me. <laughs> that may be in your family. You, they've not spoken to you for years. There's issues that are ongoing. That could be so real in your journey. But you know what? God. We've always got to say, but there's a God moment. We may have struggled with mental health for years. There doesn't seem to be a way out. You may have had hypertension for years. You may have had a low blood count for years. There seems to be no way out but God. The doctor said, I'll be on this for the rest of my life. But God, we cannot ignore God in the midst of our problems. In this world, you will have problems. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's always bringing him, God, Jesus, into our life to see him move in our life. Many of our lives can look like this. My famous Rubik cube. <sighs> Joe, I haven't asked you, but Joe, could you come and solve this for me? No, no, Joe, 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 come here, come here, come here. Joe's a good man. He, he's, he can do almost anything. <laughs> You've got a few minutes while I carry on preaching, okay? I haven't asked Joe, all right? So Joe's, Joe's going to f- complete this for me. <clears throat> See, our lives can look like this, a little complicated. We can look at our life sometimes and look at it as if it's really complicated, like Joe is right now, <laughs> thinking, Lord, you can do anything, help me. But do you know what? Life can be so complex. We look at our life and we think, how does this work? How can all things work together for the good of those who love him? How can all things, when I don't know what on earth I'm doing. Have you ever done one before? No, No, praise the Lord. (laughs) I asked the right person. How can all things work together for good? Because I haven't got the first idea how this can work for me. It's all right, just stay there, Joe, I'm preaching, all right? Just enjoy the moment. So life can feel muddled. Life can feel difficult. Life can look complex. When things come out of the blue and we don't know, <laughs> we, don't, we weren't expecting it, we weren't expecting to be asked. Things hit us when we're least expecting it. And life can be very complex. There are deeper life issues than a Rubik Cube. And do you know what? Sometimes when we, we, we look for solutions, we look, we, 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 you know, Simon, Simon was looking for solutions on Google. How can I get the last row done? <laughs> the reason I didn't ask Simon is because he'd been looking how to do the solutions. Should have been doing pra- praise and worship practice, but here he was. So I didn't ask Simon because he was looking for solutions. Do you know what? We all are looking for solutions in life. 
We may call a friend and ask for solutions from a friend. You've been there. How can I? How do I do this? How can that work for me? We may we may ask Google for solutions. When the doctor may have. We may be carrying an injury or may be feeling very unwell and we don't know what's wrong. We go to a doctor to ask for solutions. Why? Because they're meant to be experts or they're meant to be helpful in that journey. We, we may have got ourselves into debt, so we go to a debt expert if you're prepared to humble yourself to do so. And you go and ask those who have got better advice in those areas. You may have marriage issues and therefore you go to a marriage counselor who may be able to give some direction of how you can work on this area of your life. You may have areas where you need counseling and you go to a counseling expert to get advice and help in the journey of life. Thank you, Joe. You have, you have done incredibly well for me. Now I'm going to ask somebody else to come up. See, that's what it's meant to look like, isn't it? Our life complete. That's one I did. This is, this is one I did earlier. See, this, this is what it's meant to look like. But, but circumstances, life, issues, problems, they get in their way. You'll be really impressed if I can do this now, won't you? Come on, you'll be really impressed if I could do this now, won't you? Would you? Come on, please. Who else can do a Rubik's Cube in this room? There you go. You'd be really impressed if I could do this, wouldn't you? Okay, we've got 42 seconds. All right, here we go. Abby, <laughs> we call upon those who know how. Is that mixed up enough for you? Have a little look. Don't start yet. If you'd like to sit, feel free. Relax. Our life without help. Our life when we try and do it my way. Our life, when we're just muddling through, like Joe, I don't know. I can, I, can, <laughs> I can do one side, I can do two lines, but I can't do the last part. And sometimes life can get to that part, and you think, I'm almost there, but I don't know how to do it next. You've got a few seconds. There's been moments in ministry when I've sat there and I thought, Lord, I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how to solve this issue. I don't have the wisdom to speak into their life. Hello, I'm over here. <laughs> I don't have the wisdom to speak into their life. I don't know what to say. And then I sit back and say, Lord, what do you want to say? Lord, how can I help in this situation? Lord, what can be done to solve in this life? Jesus is the ultimate problem solver. He, when we allow him, when we humble ourselves and we say, not my will, but yours be done. When we say, I can't, but you can. When we walk through the, when we walk through the valley of life, and we say, but I don't know what to do next or where to go next. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, church. Where are we in the journey of our life? What are we doing? Are we trying to solve everything in our own power when he says he has all power to turn our circumstances around? Trust him in the journey. Trust him with the grandchildren. Trust him with your children. Trust him with your finances. Why? Because he is our solution. Thank you. He is 
That's the easy one. This is the one I've got to finish off, okay? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Abby. Jesus isn't Abby, but she knew the solution. Trust him. Come on. Stop fiddling around in life. Stop allowing life to mess around with you. Stop allowing your thoughts, your processes. How many times? I could sit here for hours. I've done this thing once in my life, and that was this week. I can get the bottom and I can get the two layers, and then I sat there on Google and worked out how to do the last one. And I've done it, yes, once in my life. Do you know what? That's probably our odds. We got it right once. Without him, we may have got it right once. With him, we're an abbey. can do it every time. Because God has the answer every time. In every situation, in every circumstance, he has the solution. What was our problem? Not a Rubik cube. Let me keep it with me. What was our problem? It was sin. We didn't know how to get out of our wrongs, our mistakes, our, our issues. We didn't know how to do it. We just kept on turning it, hoping for the best, hoping that something would work out. We didn't have solutions, but he did. Jesus not only forgives our sin, he forgets. Isn't that amazing? He not only forgives your mistakes, he helps you learn from them. He not only dealt with the sin issue that kept us separated from him, he said, I choose not to remember any of that ever again. And we've all made mistakes, every single one. We've probably all made a mistake this week. We may have all made a mistake this morning. But you know what? He's already forgotten. Why? Because we are in Christ. And in him, we have forgiveness. He became the problem solver. No one else could heal us from our lostness. No one else could sort out our messed up lives. No one else could deal with our personal failings. But there is no problem that's bigger or impossible for God. I just love the thought. That what man or mankind or what you and I could not do, he did in Christ for us. He became the solver of the problem. You know, you go back in the Old Testament and there are many moments in the Old Testament where God stepped in and he solved the problem. See, this is where the scripture, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the face of the earth. Not to judge, not to knock, not to reject. But the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the face of the earth, the whole of the face of the earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those who love him. God's eyes are on you. You may have thought you've gone through the journey on your own, but you haven't. God was with you. Yeah? God is with you. 
Children of Israel, 430 years in slavery and oppression. Do you know what? God was with them every step of the way. But there came a moment when deliverance came. There came a moment and, and Moses and the children of Israel all gathered up their stuff and off they went. God intervened over and over and over again. Nine plagues and eventually the, 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 the angel of death came through and, and Pharaoh couldn't handle it anymore. And he said, get out of it. Get out of my sight, all of you. you know, take all of our finance. Take all of our jewels. Take everything and get out of here. But then there came a moment he regretted what he had done and then pursued them. There's often times in our life where we, we acknowledge God's goodness for a moment, for a season. And then we get back into our normal routine life and we forget the goodness of God. And as they are leaving and they're in the wilderness, they turn around and say, we don't know where to go. <laughs> Do you know what? We don't know where to go. We don't know the solution. We don't know the direction. But God solved their practical problem with a spiritual solution. Always be listening. Always be looking to what God wants to do. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. We read these words. This is God's solution to their practical problem. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. They didn't know where to go. But he became the pillar of cloud to lead them during the day. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. See, God is the direction to your life. He knows the next step. You know, we can, we can be thinking, ah, oh, that must be the right person. Or this could be the right person. Or that could be the next job. Or that could be the solution. And we're just muddling our way through. But God has the solution. Think about how the children of Israel, they've been led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They've been led through the wilderness. They don't know which way to go, but they're following the cloud. The cloud takes them to this what looked like an ocean, the sea before them. But behind them, they see the enemies of Egypt coming after them. And they, can, they begin to shout, oh, why didn't you leave us in Egypt? Why didn't you just leave us in what we had before? But you know what? God was the answer to their natural problem again. Their natural problem is we got the sea in front, we got the enemy behind. That's where you may be right now. I can't go forward. And I can't go back. I'm stuck. No, you're not. But God. You've got to bring but God. Because with God, he can make a way in the wilderness. He can make paths in the rivers. He, can, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the direction you need to go next in the journey of your life. And do you know what? They walked through the sea on dry ground. God, the omnipotent, all-powerful, having all ability, move mightily on their behalf. Listen to this scripture. I've always loved this scripture. So it just makes me laugh. I won't laugh, but it does make me laugh. Exodus chapter 15, verse 8, and it says, And with a blast of your nostrils, you know, if you've heard me preach from this before, God blew his nose. He, if I could risk it, <laughs> if I could go out there and, 
He blew with a blast of his nostrils. He didn't say he went, he went, ever try to blow up, blow up a balloon with your nostril? That's grim. When it pops, it's not, it's, anyway, Josh does it, don't you, Josh? It's grim, it's grim, why would, I wouldn't, anyway, it says, and with a blast of his nostrils, the waters gathered together. This, the floods stood up as a heap, and the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. Isn't that an awesome passage? Doesn't that just show the omnipotent God power and ability at work? They didn't know which way to go. We can't go forward. We can't go behind. But you know what? God turned around and said, what do you have in your hand? Moses turned around and says, I have the rod. Do you know what the rod is? This is the rod of God in our life. It's his word. He says, what have you got in your hand? Or what have you got in your heart? What have you put in your life? When we have the word, we can start proclaiming. Moses turned around and says, I, I have your rod. He said, lift it up. Lift up the word. When you begin to speak out God's word over the circumstances of your life, when you begin to speak God's word, the promises of God are yes and amen. Remember that. When you start to speak God's promise, circumstance will begin to change. And the moment he lifted the rod, the seas parted. Can you imagine what Moses, he must have felt, hey, I'm the man again. But no, he recognized God. He recognized the ability of God. He knew it wasn't him. It was God at work through him. God has a plan. You say, I don't know what that plan looks like. It's because you're here. It's because you're here. You're still trying to work things through. God has a plan. I wrote this down. God had a plan. He always has a plan. And there is no problem too hard for the Lord. See? That was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You look through the Bible, and there was a moment there was a guy who borrowed an axe, and he was working. He lost his mate's axe head. Straight in the water. What's he do? He can't wade out there and try and find the thing. He's thinking, oh no, what do I do? What do I do? It's my mate's axe head. He's a, he's a woodsman. That's what he's, it's, it's the tools of his trade. Tools of his trade. It's like anyone that's in the Navy, you just go and nick their ship or you sink it. It doesn't work too well. Or, or you know, I'm just trying to think what jobs people do. Um, helicopter control, you, know, you just take your radio set from you. He's it, it, it's, it's, it's out there chopping away and it, it, the axe head flies into the water. He's lost it. He's scratching his head thinking, ah, oh, what's the solution? How do I find it? Elisha comes along and Elisha turns around and says, what's your problem? And he says, ah, oh, I just lost my mate's axe head. It's gone out way out there somewhere. I don't know quite where it went. I ducked all so I don't know. I lost it. He said, you know what? I've got a solution. I've got a stick. Let me throw the stick into the water. You think, what, what muppet are you? <laughs> a piece of stick never will make an iron axe head float. But God. 
And the axe head floated. Have you ever seen iron float? But God. <laughs> Don't say yes. I want like your old steel ships. <laughs> those old rusty ones, Lyndon. Remember those old rusty things? <sighs> Not an axe head though, is it? <laughs> you messed my story up. Anyway. But you've never seen a ship swim. If you look at the Hebrew language, when the axe head floated, it says it swam to where he was to pick it up. But God. Why? Because he's a miracle worker. He's a problem solver. Where there is no way, he can make a way. Where the axe head was lost, the man of God, through the power of the omnipotent one, saw the power of God move in an impossible situation. Think about it. When Jesus went to the first miracle that Jesus ever did, he went to a, a wedding. The wedding celebrations were going. The, the, those who were hosting it were, were in fear and trepidation because those that were there were better than them. And the wine began to run out. And they began to scratch their head looking for solutions, trying to find how, do we, how can we cause there to be more wine? Should we water it down with some water so that the last dregs are a bit watery? They were looking for solutions. But Jesus' mother walks up to him and says, Son, they've run out of wine. He turns around and says, Mum, what do you want me to do about it? They had a problem going on where they couldn't fix it themselves. They had no solution to what was going on. They had no answer to what they could do. So they went to the one who had the answer and said, Jesus, help him out. Do you know what? Jesus is still helping out people. He's still helping us out. Sometimes we acknowledge it. Sometimes we don't even be, we're not even aware of it. Why did I drive home that way tonight? But God. Why did I not do such and such? But God. Why did I walk around that side of the car? We, we may sometimes think we're a bit nutty, but God. There could have been, there could have been a piece of glass. There could have been a, th a, a nail on the floor, and he just didn't want you to stand on it on that occasion. What about the times I have stood on a nail? You're probably walking like this, trying to work out your own solutions to your own issues in life. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. We just need to trust him in that journey. He stills the stormy seas. The disciples in the boat they had no solution. They're there, they're getting wet. In fact, they were so fearful. These were men who were used to being on the boats. They were fishermen. It was their trade. It was what they were familiar with. But they had no solution. But Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat. Stern? Back of the boat? Yeah, good, good. <laughs> he was in the stern of the boat, fast asleep, with his head on a pillow. That indicate, indicates to me that no matter how big the storm is, 
Jesus isn't worrying. No matter how big the storms are in our life or what the issues may be in our life, Jesus is not worried. But you know what? When they turned to him, the storm ceased and there was a great calm. Come, are we getting this? It's so important that we draw on the omnipotence of God, the awe, the power. He's almighty God. He's our El Shaddai. He is more than enough. He is the solution to our issues. Even when it comes to our finances. He is the answer to our finances. You know, we, we can look at our finances and say, well, I've paid that this month and I've needed to pay that bill and I've needed to pay the mortgage and I've needed to do this and I've needed to do something else and I, I'm struggling now to find money for the, rest of the, for the rest of the month now. So I don't think, I, oh, I don't think I'm going to tithe because I'm just trying to work out to make sure I've got enough money for the rest of the month. And do you know what? All the time we're trying to work out solutions and we're trying to work out how to do things. God is saying, if you did it my way, if you look to me, then, then you, would see, oh, you would see that there is an answer. There is a way. And you just need to keep trusting me to find the way to the answer. Oh, I've got partway there now. Look, look, see. Oh, it's a bit under pressure to try and do this and speak at the same time. I may come back to that in a minute. We, when it comes to giving, we say, I, I, I've got bills to pay. I've got the mortgage to pay. I've got, I've got the children going off to school. We've got the uniforms to pay. You know, I've got money to send home to my family back home. I, but you know what? God says, I'm your solution when it comes to your finance. Give to me the first tenth. And I will rebuke the devourer for you. But you know what? No, we, we say, no, 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 no. There's got to be another way than to give my money to God. There's got to be another way. I, I, I'm going to just try and work out how to, do, how to do this another way. I can't remember now what I did. There's got to be another way. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try and work out the solution on my own. But you know what? There is, any, there is only one way. You will never have more than when you first give to God. You may have missed that. You will never have more than when you first give to God. But when you do give to God, he will make sure that the tenth that you give to him is made up in amazing ways. Do we trust him to be the solution and the answer? I'm going to finish with this incredible scripture, and I know I've read it a few times I don't apologize. It is an incredible passage. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. All what? All that I've said to you this morning. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. His miraculous power constantly energizes you. 
We just, I guess, need to believe and take him at his word. We're going to go into a time of communion together. I'm just going to get my, my cup. Our life before the cross, our life after the cross, our life when we don't acknowledge him in all our ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Sometimes we forget to acknowledge him and go his way and we go back to doing things our way. Can I say, remember the Rubik Cube this morning. Whenever issues or problems face in your life, you go look into him as your solution. Let's me, let me go back to what I said earlier. Jesus became our solution. The wages of sin, death. There is no excuse. There is no getting away from it. The, the tiniest little mistake you've done to the humongous things that other people have done, there was no solution that you could bring to the table. So what did Jesus say? He said, I will step in. I will step in in their place. I will go to the cross. The wages of sin was death. I will go to the cross and die their death. He died your death. Sin caused a sentence of death over your life. He stepped in and said, I will take their punishment. Isn't that amazing? Scripture I'm going to share with you is this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. God made him sin. He didn't, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he didn't go and do sin. He made him sin with our sin. With every sin that this world has ever done, he put on him. He reckoned to his account, if you like the accounting term, he put on his slate, yours, mine, the world before us and the world after us. The sin that you did yesterday, the sin that you'll do today, and the sin that you'll do tomorrow was all laid on him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Just look around the room. Look around the room. Look at the people around you, behind you, inside of you. God's done a miracle. You're all miracles of God's grace. We're all miracles of his incredible love because he's made you not just right, because that would be nice in itself. He's made you as righteous as God. That goes beyond my thinking. Because I still know I make mistakes. But he's made me, he's, he made me, not I'm making myself by all my good works. No, he made me righteous in him. The key is, let's stay in him. Stay in him. Stop doing it yourself. Stop trying to find solutions. Stop trying to be your best. 
and just allow him to live his best life through you. Amen? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave thanks. And he took the bread and he shared it amongst them. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now, we've not used these, I don't think, before over here. If you look, there's a little cellophane lid. If you pull back the first little cellophane lid, you can get to the strange little disc thing called the bread. This is COVID safe. And then you can break the seal and then you can get the juice, all right? They, they taste grim. <laughs> just, I'm just warning you, these, these things taste... You may as well cut up a bit of cardboard. That is how bad they are. Has everybody got one? If everybody who's got one wants one, please put up your hand if you haven't got one, and we can get some... Thank you, Patrick. Anybody else in the room that's not got one? You may taste it and think, that's grim. Why, why did I even ask? So I'm Patrick at the front here, Barbara, please. Thank you. Um, no, that's Patrick. Stephen at the front, please. So Jesus, after or during, during this meal with his disciples, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks for it, and he shared it amongst those that were closest to him. This is the first time we've done communion as a body of believers. We've done it on Zoom, but this is the first time. And just like Jesus, he broke bread with his friends. That's what we're doing today. We're breaking bread with our friends, our fellow believers. Jesus said, take all of it. Take it in remembrance of me. Jesus' name. So after the supper, Jesus took the cup. And he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. If you think the Old Testament promises are good, if you think what God did in the Old Testament is amazing, then you ought to believe what Jesus said. This is the new covenant. And the promises of God are exceedingly abundantly. He, the old covenant, the, in the Old Testament, it was a covenant between man and God. In the New Testament, it's a covenant between God and Jesus. Jesus won't break it. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That's why all the promises of God are yes and amen. Because it's not between man and God. It's between God and Jesus. And he will never fail. So he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my, shed in my blood. Drink you all of it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you this morning that your word is eternal. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke and the starry skies were positioned in the galaxies. You've given us your word and you've asked us to return it to you that it will not return void. Father, each and every one of us, Father, help us to remember to return your word with an expectant heart. In Jesus' name, amen.